Thank you, Betty, for getting that all organized. Can you hear me all right? No, Betty? Am I on mute? Sorry about that, sorry. Too many chefs, I think is the saying, is that right? Yes, so yes, don't know if I'm controlling it or she's controlling it, but we make do as we can. Um, you know, the best stories out there have this classic feature about them, and that is that there is a sense of echoing or harking back this sense of rhyme with that which came previously. We see this in some classic stories, like many of the fairy tales. Fairy tales have these classic elements, don't they? A princess is trapped, a hero comes along, he has to save, overcome some kind of adversity, and then after that, come along and save her. And it builds in us a sense of expectation. Am I saying that word correctly? My wife always corrects me. Is it expectation or expectation? Okay, now I heard a whole bunch of different things. Put your hand up if you say expectation. Just me. All right, cool. So it, so it is expectation, is it? Expectation. That's going to be fun for me to say. All right. So, um, so what I'm going to do, because it's a hard word for me to say, I'm going to point to you and I'm going to get you to say it. Deal? All right, ready? Here we go. We're going to try. One, two, three. Excellent, excellent. And the reason why we're talking about expectation is because in this season of discipleship, there is an expectation. And that is that we will embrace what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ in this 21st century. You see, friends, it is so crucial, important, and understanding that we know that God is at work in the little things and the big things that we do in following him and being led by him into the community, the family, the workplace, the school, wherever it is that we find ourselves. But in that there is an And it is that we are open to God working and moving through us. I want to tell you guys something that's probably a bit of a harsh truth. Today, but it's one that I think we all need to be aware of. And that is this the writing is on the wall for the Christian church, my friends. You see, we are living in a world and in a society that is moving further and further and further away from Jesus Christ, from the things that we know and understand as faith, spirituality, and religion. And as we do, Many churches are looking at trying new and different things. Some churches are sticking and holding on to what we've always done. But other churches are just accepting the reality that perhaps the day for this kind of expression is done. And that we can no longer do the same things that we have always done. I want you to realize something. We are a 2,000 year old institution. Are you aware of this people of God? And as such, we need to be conscious and aware of the fact that we have survived empires. We have survived the changing of histories. We have survived world wars. But that doesn't mean that we can be complacent, does it? That doesn't mean that we sit back and we just wait and watch and hope. And then let those hopes be dashed when our... <coughs> is not... I want you to know that God has a 
And it is in each and every one of us. From the the person who has been here the longest. And who has seen this place grow and flourish and change and diminish and be challenged. To the kids who are being forced by their parents to sit in the pews in a hot, hot church on on a Sunday morning. For all of us, God has a... And we need to be aware of that. I began by telling you that the greatest stories have a sense of rhyme. And that is because they become timeless. And this story of... Is one that we need to be aware of because it has a rhyme. You see, as the early church met, there was challenge. As the first councils of the church gathered, there was challenge. As the Holy Spirit began to move among His people and they journeyed out into the world to new shores, there was challenge. And this challenge was all about meeting the what? Of God. And so I'm really glad you're saying this word for me. Because I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to get hang, hang, hung up on my pronunciation. Don't worry, I won't make you say that word. I want you instead to be aware that God's heart is for you. And that things which He puts in you, it's not wasted. It is one that He journeys with you and continues to carry you along. And this is what happened with Daniel. Daniel here had been in politics for decades. He was no longer that young man who sat at the king's table back from Daniel 1. He had been a governor. He had been the top of the empire. And yet this story rhymes with that one, doesn't it? Here we have a table. We have a king abusing his power. We have him imposing upon God's people an idea. And we have Daniel being brought forward to give a word in boldness and in truth to change the situation. You're Daniel. Did you know that? Your name may not be Daniel, but... There are many circumstances where God may use you in this way as well. And where God has a what? Of you. To use your word in this way. Because Paul tells us that right here. In this flabby thing that gets used for all manner of different things. In here is the power of life and death. So we need to speak words of life. And we need to be prepared To meet that expectation that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Thank you for teaching me to say that word. Let us pray and let us gather around the word. Father, I commit this time to you. We know the writing is on the wall for the church in so many ways. In terms of our relevance. In terms of the ways in which we engage with this society. This pluralist society that equates goodness With all manner of weird and strange ideas that we do not agree with. A society that questions absolute truth. And instead decides that everything is up to the individual. 
Father, we believe that you do speak to us individually, but that you are that absolute truth and we hold to you. So help us today be emissaries of your truth and speak as Daniel did in boldness before those you've put before us that your truth may ring out and sound true. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I gave you a long passage today, but I saved the best bit for me. Did you notice that? (laughs) I gave you the, the beginning bit, the introduction, then I gave you a little bit of the explanatory notes, but then I saved the best part for me because I wanted to explain to you what this passage means and how important it is for our discipleship. So going back to our introduction, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. Then jumping down 25, this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parsin. Some of your Bibles have slightly different versions of these words. Uh, in, In one translation, it says only one mene, not two. So it has that just mene, tekel, Parsin. Another translation says, Oh, Parsin. Oh, Parsin. Why is that? This is not actually Hebrew. That's why. This is in Aramaic. This was written in the language for the Babylonians to understand. Why? Because it wasn't necessarily a message for the Hebrews. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. Because you are Daniel. And God has a what? I'm so sorry about that. I just realized I yelled into the microphone. (laughs) I'll just pop it down. (laughs) You are Daniel. And as Daniel, he was speaking to his audience, to the Babylonian people, to the Chaldean people in their language. This is why this is recorded in that language. So our Bibles have this inconsistency because some people went oh this is Aramaic let's write it in Aramaic oh this is supposed to be in Hebrew let's write it in Hebrew oh this is from the Greek translation let's write it in Greek but it's supposed to be an English Bible come on guys (laughs) that's why there's the inconsistency see you got to understand the Bible is God's word incarnate And as God's word, sometimes the people who are writing it down and interpreting it, eh, they're putting their own spin on things. That's okay. Because what's important is the revelation that comes. And that is what we need to hold on to and we need to hear and we need to understand. So what are these three three words and what do they mean? Here's what these words mean. Mene means measured, ordered or numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign. And brought it to an end. I said before, in many respects, the writing is on the wall for the church as well. This, I believe, is on the wall for the church. Do you know why? Because Jesus is coming. If we think that this institution is going to last beyond Jesus' second coming, we've got it wrong. We've got to remember and realize that we do this because we have an end game. And that end game is to see Jesus Christ return and scoop us all up into his arms and take us into his holy reign. So because of that, we need to be aware and conscious that what we do here in worship cannot be about us. Cannot be about making us feel good and happy all the time. 
It has to be about Him. Because what we're doing is we're calling out. Come, Jesus, come. Be here. That is our... That's why our days are numbered. And I've shared with you so many times. So many times, and I will say many, many times again in the future, the reality is that I believe we experience Christ among us. And this, this is so many times what we see. Sorry about that. As what is prophesied in the second coming. But there is a word that is so true and so relevant and so important that we need to know and understand. And that is that He is to come. And as He is to come, our days are numbered. And there is a time that is going to come when the church is no longer relevant because we're all going to be there with Him. Are you with me, church? Yes. This is where our hope needs to be, where our... Absolutely. So don't read this and get frightened. Don't read this and get worried. Some of us will be in glory beforehand. Great. Do me a favor. Prepare the room for me. I'm looking forward to joining you. I'm serious. As many of you are aware, I'm an aged care chaplain. I say this to my resis all the time. Because I see faith. I see love. I see charity. Charity in the sense of that word that we hear in Corinthians where Paul says there is none greater than love. He uses the word charity in the Old King James Version. And that is a word that I see in the hearts and minds of the races that I am with serving there in those blue care facilities. And I am so blessed by it because it reminds me. It reminds me that we are all equally children of God and we have a place where we're going to go. And those days are already counted. Those days are already numbered. And I am blessed to wait for that to come about. I could say more about that, my friends, but I don't want to bore you. Thank you, Betty. My clicker isn't working. Now, how does this apply to what Daniel is saying? Well, in Genesis, we see this word, admittedly, in the Hebrew. And he says, God says to Abram, not Abraham, to Abram. This is his promise to Abram. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that anyone could count the dust of your offspring. Then your offspring could be counted. Why is this important? Because that word menet or menet becomes a synonym for Israel, the children of Abraham. This is really, really clear as Commentators later on look at this passage and they find a pattern. Now this pattern for us, it means that we need to be aware that we are what? Counted among that number as well. We are children of Abraham. Children of this promise. This is what Paul says in Galatians 3. And in Romans 4, he says to us that we are not to be the children of slavery, but instead the children of promise. So we are part of that counted. And that counted number for Daniel would have resonated because as he saw that word written there on the wall, he would have remembered this story. Like I said before, the greatest stories have a rhyme, don't they? The greatest stories, they connect with previous things. But there are also words, aren't there? 
If I say to you, Rapunzel, what do you think of? Long hair. Very, very good. If I, if I say to you, Cinderella, what do you think of? The slippers. Yes. One of my kids was being very, very upset the other day. And I said to them, because they were doing chores, and I said to them, what do you think you are? Sindenisas. Sindenisas is Spanish for? You see, you knew, you knew, because the context is there. And yeah, she kind of... And I said, is this your stepsisters? No, be nice. Um, but yeah, <laughs> my point here is that these stories have a rhyme and they make sense. And for Daniel, this rhymed with the word that he knew was given to Ad Abram of prophecy, of promise that the offspring would be counted. What about the next word? That was a fun exercise. Betty, what about the next word? Thank you, Betty. Tekel. Tekel in Aramaic. You might know the Hebrew version, shekel. You know shekel? Have you heard that word? If anybody's been to Israel, you know the coin? Yes. Do you know why? Because it is measured. Yeah, it's a weight. It's a unit of weight. Just like the pound. The British pound is a unit of weight. That's where that comes from. Okay, so this word is shekel. Weighed. He says to the king, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Again, this is a word that we need to be aware of. Because if this is being written for the church, then we need to know that the church still needs to be refined. Doesn't Revelation tell us that when Christ returns, the church will be a beautiful bride dressed in white? Are we there yet, church? I don't think so. I don't think so. We've got work to do. Come on, guys. This has to be part of our what? We can't say that this is it. Oh, yes, Lord, we've been faithfully meeting at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and singing songs of worship to you. So please come now. No. No. There are people here on the road driving past right now who do not know Jesus. There are vandals in our streets. I saw a news article about some kids actually breaking into a gym here. I go to that, not that very gym, but I go to another branch of that gym. And I thought to myself, man, that would be terrible if I, if I went there to you know, lift weights and found that they had, had done that to my gym. I would be angry. I would, I would feel personally accosted by that. Can you see how we're not ready? There are so many things we still need to do, church. So let that be our expectation. That our weighing weighs in. And we're ready to get in the ring. You with me? So what do we see? Where does this word come from? Thank you, Betty. In Isaiah 40. And I want you to remember that Daniel knew his scriptures. On the eve of exile, Isaiah is writing words of promise and pain. He knows what God is going to do. He knows that God's people have failed him. He knows that they will have to undergo tribulation. But in the coming out of that tribulation, God had a great and awesome promise in the Messiah. He knew that. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Daniel and his kin? Guys, 
If I were back then, I would have been reading Isaiah every single day, cover to cover. I would have been sitting on that word and those promises. Those words of pain, I would have been living there. I would have been like, you know what? That hits me right where I am now. But holding on to that promise and making that my what? That's it. I love it. You said that nice and gently. I can just see that. In Isaiah 40, in the same passage where there is a promise of one who's going to come cry out in the wilderness to make the way straight for the Lord. He talks about who has measured the waters in the cup of his hands. Who has taken the breadth of his hand to, weigh, to measure out the length of the heavens. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket. Hey, hey, remember the last verse? The dust of the earth. Who has held that in a basket and has weighed Shechel, the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. God has the width, breadth and measure Shechel of the earth. And he has given it to us. This is again why I say to you the writing is on the wall for the church friends. Because I don't think we've grasped this notion. I don't think we've grasped this idea. And I think we really need to understand it. Right now, the global church is actually celebrating, during the rest of this month, a season of creation. I was asked to get together a, um, a series of studies in Portuguese for this. And I looked online and I saw lots of studies from the Lutherans, from the Baptists, from the um, Catholics, from the Presbyterians. And they were all saying the same thing. Do you know what they were saying? Lord, your people have failed you. Forgive us for our stewardship of this earth. And I thought to myself, man, I I can't add to that. I can't change that. I can't. That is just so true. So, so painful, but so at the heart of this reality. So I want to turn it around for you this morning, my friends. And I want to say to you that our what? Needs to be that we have the width, measure and weight of this earth. And if that weighs upon you, then good. Because God has given it us. And it is for us to be a blessing. And for us to be aware that we can do great things with it. Thank you, Betty. Lastly, he uses the word peres, divided. He says to the king, your kingdom is divided and to be given to the Medes and the Persians. The word Pharisee comes from this word. Because the Pharisees saw themselves as a people divided out and special, separated from the rest of the people. But what's interesting here is that the word Peres, when it was translated into the Greek, they just wrote Persia. They just wrote the word Persia. As if that's exactly what it meant. Now what's interesting is that, of course, you also get the first word, which is Medes, isn't it? Now the prophecy gets fulfilled, and we read it later on in Daniel 5, that the next king will be a Median appointed by the Persians. 
And so the prophecy becomes fulfilled in that sense. But like I said to you, these stories have a rhyme. These stories can go back and we can see more and experience more and understand more. I want to share with you this passage, Betty, where it is so important that we understand this. Because in Isaiah 58, where he's talking about fasting. And he says, this is not the fast that I want for you. As Israel is fasting to try to avoid exile. He goes on to say, this is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to lose the chains of unjust. Sorry, is it not? Is this? I'm going to stop. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide? Your Bibles might say share, but this is that word. Divide your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood this is Israel on the verge of exile every man woman and child would be taken from their land there would be infighting among them for the possessions that they would be able to hold on to and in their dispossession they would literally clamber over one another So Isaiah says to them, this is not what God has in store for you. But instead, remember that I have called you to be a righteous people. So divide your food. Share it. Split it. Let that be shared out and among you. And Isaiah 58 goes on to give again a great, great promise. Of one who would be the Messiah. One who would undergo greater tribulation than they would understand. These stories rhyme, my friends. For we in our tribulation today cannot comprehend or fathom what Christ went through for our sakes. And yet, thank you, Betty. We see in Ephesians that his measure was sufficient for us. Ephesians 4 verses 1 and then jumping to 4 to 7. Therefore I, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Does that speak to you, church, today? It speaks to me of one word. You know what it is. Say it for me. He goes on to say there is one body and one spirit. And just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I told you before that in that passage we see the words... For Israel, encountered. We see the words for Medes in the measuring. We see the words for Persia in the separation, in the division. That prophecy then becomes fulfilled because as a result of what God does, Israel is then released 
Peres separated out to return from exile. There, what? Was realized. They went home. We may not see our expectation realized in so many words. But we know that our hope is found in the one who has measured and weighed and taken all that we are. All the nastiness, all the infighting, all the backbiting. And has taken it to that cross. And no matter if the scales were balanced or completely counterbalanced against us, he has taken that weight and he has rendered us free and clean. This is the expectation I want us to have as we go from here today. That we go into this world anew every time. Knowing that every day, Christ has taken my sin, your sins, and he has empowered us for the ongoing discipleship and expression of his love and who he is for this world. Preparing it. Preparing this church for his second coming. Amen? I hope this word is an encouragement and a challenge to you. And as we go out into the world, let us be bold like Daniel and live out his expectation for our lives. I invite you to bow your heads in prayer with me. Father, I commit this time to you. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be present in and among us. Help us know and live out your calling and your love. And speak to us whenever we find ourselves in the world that we may be emissaries, bastions of your love and your word for all those around us to hear. Lord, I know that sometimes it'll be a hard word like Daniel gave the king. But Father, in those situations, let us continue to be bold. Let us be courageous and lean on you. So I thank you for this time that we've shared together in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen.